Good evening. Welcome back after our Pesach break. And hopefully you've all had a long, long enough break from your cooking to be prepared to listen to a bit more halakhas on Hilkas Bishel. Hopefully it won't put you off too much. Seeing that we've had quite a, lo- a long break since we met previously, and from the beginning of the Shurim and Hilkas Chazar and Shihir and Hatzmana and etc. Bishel, it's been some time. So for the first, at least the first half of the show, I'd like to do a very brief Chazorah, a very brief going over again the basic, very basic halachas of Chazorah, of Shihir, Hatmana, and the halachas of placing cold food next to the sources of heat on Shabbos, and then we'll move on to the beginning of Hilkas Bishel, and in the next couple of shows we can finish off Hilkas Bishel. The first halacha we learned when we started the halachas of Bishel was Hilkas Chazorah, was Hilkas Shihir, sorry, Shihir. Shihir means to keep a pot of hot food on an open flame, on an open fire, inside an open oven, on Shabbos. And when one can and when one can't. And we'll run through the criteria very briefly, so we have a, a, a just to remind us again what she is all about. The Ishtar she here, the halakha of not keeping a pot of food on the fire is only Asumidrabonon, because we are worried that you might come to stoke the fire, you might increase the flame, because you see your food's cooling down. So Chazal said you're not allowed to leave a pot of food on an open fire over Shabbos. The there were different rules, different criteria, depending on which shitter in the Mechaber one followed. According to the first shitter in the Mechaber, the halacha, the issa of shir, one can't keep a pot on a fire if, even if, the pot is completely cooked, but by leaving it on the fire, it will, the, it, its cooking will, in, will improve the food, the continuous cooking will improve the food, its mistamic, the yofaloi, its nisbashul kosaka, completely cooked, by its mistamic, the yofaloi, it still cannot be kept on an open flame on Shabbos without a black, without being gorged for cotton, without putting a black on the flame. If you had a pot which was not cooked at all, or a pot which was fully cooked, and it was in stomach virale, the continuous cooking would damage the food, that pot, those pots, could remain on an open fire on Shabbos. According to that shit, the only time you can leave a pot on the fire is if it's fully cooked, and the continuous cooking is not beneficial for the food, or something completely raw. The second shit was that anything which is cooked from up until Michael Ben Drusoy, it's a third or a half cooked, let's stick to the half for the moment because it's more homo, it's more stringent, a half cooked, any food which is a half cooked can be kept on an open flame on Shabbos and there's no worries. The only time Chazal said you can't leave a pot on the fire is when it's somewhere between the beginning of cooking and half cooking. Somewhere between the beginning of cooking and Michael Ben Drusay, that's the only time you can't leave it on the fire. And those were the two shittas in the Mechaber. The first one's much stricter than the second one. And the Mishnah Bura says, ideally we stick to the first shittah, so one shouldn't leave a pot on the flame, an open flame, without a black, unless it is fully cooked and its continuous cooking is detrimental to the food, or unless you have a piece of raw food inside the pot. If one can't manage to keep to the first shittah, then be the one can keep the second shittah, and any pot which is already cooked, a half, half cooked, the food is half cooked, one can keep that on, a, on, a, on an open flame on Shabbos without a blech. Any fire that's not a fire for cooking, which in the time of Chazal they called it a fire of Kashuk today's modern terminology will call it a hot plate, any flame, source of heat, that's not really a source of heat for cooking, one can leave a pot on without covering it up, and therefore to leave a pot, any pot, whether it's cooked, not cooked, mistamigvaralo, mistamigvaryopolo, on a hot plate, is permitted on Shabbos without a blech. That's the basic, very basic rules of Shihir, and that's, we discussed the different scenarios and situations that will come out of these two, these two shittas and this halacha of Shihir. But again, that's just a basic halacha, just to remind us of what we learned many, many moons ago. We then move down onto the Issa of Chazorah. Chazorah is the halacha that, even if one does have the right type of pot, and you keep it on the flame, one's not allowed to return a pot to a flame. And that's because Chazal said, returning a pot to the flame looks like you are cooking. It's too similar to the action of cooking, so therefore Chazal said you cannot return a pot to the flame. You can only return a pot to the flame if it's not, if it's completely, it fits in with the six criteria that we'll mention in a minute, then that's not considered similar to cooking. It's quite clear that you're just returning, 
and then one is allowed to return a pot to the flame. But any time you put a pot, a pot on a fire, even if the pot's boiling hot, and there's no exhibition of coal involved, but placing a pot onto a fire for the first time on Shabbos is after, many situations are considered placing it for the first time, unless you have the six criteria that we're going to mention now. The six criteria which will render the returning of this pot into a chazorah and not comparable to bishul are as follows. You must make sure that the food is fully cooked. As we will discuss later on in the year, food which is not fully cooked is, will still be an isa bishul minatay. If you place a pot of food which is not fully cooked on the fire, you have constitutes an Issa Deraisa according to some Rishonim of Bishel. We will discuss that a bit later. So therefore to be able to return a pot to the fire it must be fully cooked. Second condition is that if the flame must be covered. You can never ever return to an open flame. You can never return to an open flame on Shabbos at all. Even if you've got all the other conditions you cannot return to an open flame. So it's got to be fully cooked and it's got to be a, a covered fl- a flame. Gora for cotton. The food, even if it's fully cooked, must still be hot. Food which has already cooled down can again never be returned to the direct, directly to the fire. Then we have another two conditions which are ideally you should have at least both, you should have the both of them, but he ever had one of them, and in a really desperate situation, if you haven't got any, you can still return the pot to the fire. And that is one must never leave go of the pot. The pot must always remain connected to your hand. We said at least balanced by your hand. And secondly, it must you must have taken off with the intention to return it. If you have all those six conditions fully cooked, have they given you any five? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You're right, twenty-five. If I miss out on number four, then uh, when I go straight to number five, it's going to look like six, isn't it? Five conditions again. Fully cooked. Covered gas, food still hot, taken off the fire without leaving go, you're still, it's balanced still in your hand, and finally, you took it off with the intention to return it, you can then return that pot to the, to the flame. If you don't have all those six conditions, if you have the five, you have the first three, and you don't have the last two, ideally you shouldn't be returning it. If you have one of the last two, of number four or number five, I've got to write this down, one of number four or number five, then you can still with the ever return, but ideally you should have all five conditions. If you did place the pot on the floor, right, you took it off the, the flame and you placed it on the floor, even if you intended to put it back, but once you place it on the floor, that completely annuls the first placing of the fire, and it's, by returning it now, it's definitely called re- a new placing on the flame, and therefore that would be offered in all situations. So even if you took it up with the intention to return it, you didn't put it down on the side, you put it down on your floor, that would completely annul, would make a break between the fact that it was on the flame before and the returning, and it would be considered returning for the first time, and that would be considered completely offered. If it's on, if it, even if, it's, if no, if you held it down and it's not on the floor, if it's balanced in your hand, it's not on the floor. We're talking about if you place it on the floor, but you had intention to return it. That's still called, and they're still constituting it's a chazora. Onto the floor, then again, that's really called placing on the floor. But um, do me a favor, don't put a pot anywhere near the floor. A pot on a black. We said if you place the pot on the blech on the fire before Shabbos, you can then move it away onto the area of the blech which is not yet so necessary, which is not so hot, and then return it again on Shabbos. That's the Alma, that's called Chazorah and Mutter. It does not have any comparison to a beginning of a bishul at all. To put the pot on the flame on Friday, but on the area which is not hot, that would be a problem because you then wouldn't be able to move it onto the hot part of the flame. So you can place it on the flame on Shabbos Friday on the blech. Move it off to the area of the black, which is not so hot. Even if it's not yet the well, you can then move it back, back onto the flame, and then back off, depending how you like your challenge. But if you place it on the area, sorry, I didn't mean anything there. If you place it on the area that is cold or not so hot on Friday, you cannot then put it on the flame on Shabbos. And that, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that really is, again, very, very briefly, the, the halakhas of Chazorah, when you can return a pot to the, to the fire, and when it's, not control, when it's not called returning, but it's called placing for the first time on the fire. 
If you, if you meet those five conditions, it's called returning. If you don't, then you are placing, as if you are placing for the first time the pot on the fire, and this is awesome. We then moved on to discuss the halachas of placing food which has already been fully cooked, that is now cold, not on the fire, because that you can't do, that would be an Issachazor, but to place it in an area which is hot, but not on the fire. An area that could heat up and warm up the food, but yet is not considered directly on the fire. When can we place food next to the cooker, on top of the pot, on top of the urn, when can't we? And we explained as follows. Something which is completely cooked, and it's dry. Completely dry. Something completely cooked, but dry. Something which is completely cooked and dry, as we see when we go through the halachas of Bishul, we have a rule of Ein Bishul, Acha Bishul. You can never recook something which is cooked, and it's dry. Dry food which has been cooked cannot be recooked. So, if you place it near a source of heat that will heat it up, even to a Yavzaleh, this point, you are not going to be doing any Bishul, because you can't cook something which has already been cooked. So, you can place this dry food near any source of heat, as long as it's not called placing on the flame. So you can place it on top of a pot, on top of a fire. Because that's not called putting on the fire, that's called putting on top of a pot, on top of a fire. You can place it on top of your own. We even discussed that one can place on the hot plate or on the, on the black an upside down pot or aluminium pile dish, whatever you want to call it, something like that, on the flame, and then place on Shabbos your dry, cold food, as long as it's been cooked, because that's not called putting on the flame, that's called putting on a pot on the flame, and that's no chazara there, no ista chazara, there's no problem with heating your food up from scratch on Shabbos if it's fully cooked beforehand, no bishul at all, like a bishul, so that would be completely mutter. The problem arises, fried fish would be absolutely, yeah, there's no, no liquid in fried fish, I hope not, anyway, there's no liquid in fried fish. The, the problem would be, the problem would be if you had liquid, Right? If you fried your fish in too much oil and there was too much liquid around, then what do you do with a food that's got liquid in it, a liquid base in it? Besides the dry food, it has liquid in it as well. Now, liquid, we take on when it's completely cold. If you reheat it, you are recooking. Yes, bishul acha bishul bedogala. On a, a wet substance, there is bishul, even if it's been cooked once before. So now, to place your liquid dish in a source, near a source of heat that would heat it up to Yad Tzeledes Boy, if you allowed it to remain till Yad Tzeledes Boy, you have been even into the writer of cooking. If you hold Yes Bishel Achabishel, Achabishel, that's how we take on, Yes Bishel Achabishel by Dovalach, by a wet substance, and you have been over and into the writer. Because of that, Chazal said you're not allowed to place a wet food anywhere near a source of heat that could bring that wet food to the degree of heat of Yad Tzeledes, even if you have no intention to keep it there. You're going to put it there just for three minutes just to get the edge of the cold off. And you're going to take it away and uh, you've got 20 people in the house who are going to remind you to make sure you take that piece of liquid food away from the source of heat. It's still off to the place there. One's not allowed to place wet food near a source of heat that will heat the food up to the degree of yesterday this way. At all. So you cannot place uh, a liquid food on top of the urn if the urn would eventually heat that food up to yesterday this way. You can't place it on top of a pot on top of the fire because the heat is probably quite intense and it would heat the food up to Yatsaledis boy. Even if you take it up before it reaches Yatsaledis boy, you have transgressed an Isidrabonum. But again, that brings us very briefly the, the halachas of Hatmana. Sorry, the halachas of Smichus, of placing food, dried food, cold food next to sources of heat, but not directly on the fire. Finally, we discussed in the previous year, towards the end of the previous year, the halachas of Hatmana. We'll just run brief, briefly through them again, a little bit more elaborately than we have done in the Shia of Chazal, because we haven't done any Chazal in Hatmana at all yet. Hatmana is Chazal added another Issa, besides Shihir, besides Chazal, and besides placing cold food next to a source of heat, they're not allowed to wrap food in order to retain its heat. Now, there's two types of wrapping we discussed. There's one wrapping which is a conductor of heat. Any wrapping which is a conductor of heat is what we call hatmana bedava hamosiv hevel. And then you can wrap food in wrapping that's not a conductor of heat. So, for instance, silver foil, if you wrap a, a food, a hot food in silver foil, that would be called wrapping it in the dava hamosiv hevel, because silver foil is metal, metal is a conductor of heat. At the time of Chazal, they would use sand as a conductor of heat. The sand retains its heat tremendously and would conduct the heat back into the pot, that would be called Dava Meshav Hevel. If you wrap it in 
blanket, etc. or something like that, that would be Hatmana Badabash Ayna Maitis Hevel. And that would be it's a different category of Hatmana completely. Hatmana Badabah Maitis Hevel, to wrap food on Friday, hot food, with Dabah Maitis Hevel, with silver foil, and, and leave it for Shabbos to retain its heat through to Shabbos, that would be also. You're not allowed to wrap even on Friday for Dabah Hamaisis Hevel. With a, a wrapping that conducts heat, it's completely forbidden to wrap food even on Friday for Shabbos. However, on Friday you can wrap food with a wrapping that's not a conductor of heat. So you could take your pot of chicken soup off the, off the gas before Shabbos, wrap it in blankets, put it under your bed to remain hot till the Friday night meal, and pull it out and eat it, that would be fine. But to wrap it in silver foil would be awesome. So that's the difference between Dabaham Mesif Hevel and Dabaham Shainam Mesif Hevel. We'll come to that in a minute, yeah. We'll, come, we'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, the, 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 what's called Atmona, how much is called Atmona, we'll discuss that in a minute. We'll come to that unless we're going to run through all that lockers very briefly. We'll, we'll, we'll repeat them, Blinader. On Shabbos, something which is cold, to wrap it with a Dabba She'enemos of Hevel, would be Mutter. You could wrap a cold food in, in something which is Dabba She'enemos of Hevel, on Shabbos. You can wrap even Dabba She'enemos of Hevel, can't you, in something which is cold? I've got no idea. Don't ask me. I'm not a cook. I'm just telling you that I'm not, that comes, I'm not a cook, I'm afraid. Okay, let's just move on from that then. If you wrap something with a Davish Enemos of Hevel, right, let's, let's leave the cold bit out of it, we'll come back to that. If you wrap something with a Davish Enemos of Hevel, right, you've wrapped your pot in a blanket, and you place it near a source of heat, right, you place that on top of your pot on the fire, then you've now turned this Enemos of Hevel into a Davish Enemos of Hevel. The wrapping is considered a Dabah Moshev Hevel, not a Dabah Shainu Moshev Hevel, and all the criteria of Moshev Hevel apply. So when we say Dabah Moshev Hevel has to be a conductor of heat, the conductor of heat doesn't have to be the thing that you're wrapping in itself. Even if the heat source is outside of the wrapping, but because you've wrapped it and you have a direct constant heat source on to this wrapped food, this, now, this food is now called wrapped in a Dabah Moshev Hevel, and all the halachas of Dabah Moshev Hevel apply. And that's where we discuss the problem of wrapping your kugel, etc. on Friday in silver foil and placing it on top of your urn because you are now wrapping something in a dava hamosev hevel or even if you wrap it in a plastic bag and place it on top of your urn you now wrapped it in something which is, most, which is wrapped and the heat source is adding the heat is you know, making it even hotter so you've now got the hatmana with dava hevel in order to get around that we have to understand when is hatmana mutter and now for Atmona to be mutter, there's a few, few instances, a few cases when Atmona is mutter, and hopefully that will solve all your problems. If you, well, if you covered food, but not in order to wrap the food to retain heat, you covered food for an ulterior purpose, you covered food, for instance, because you don't want the flies to get anywhere near it, or because you don't want it to mix with the food below it, for any reason besides the, the purpose of wrapping it, that doesn't constitute atmana, and that is completely mutter. If you wrap a food, but you don't wrap it completely, you, know, you leave a large part of it, an uh, important part of it, open, so you only partially wrap the food, again, that's not called wrapping. Luckily, we take on that's not called wrapping, and that would be considered mutter on Shabbos. In a recognizable bit. You can't just make a little hole at the top and it's got to be open it's got to be open no, uh, no a tiny little corner would probably uh, if you open it one side then that would be that would be the Darvish anyway so if you open one side you open the top properly etc um, that would be called Darvish anyway that would be called not, not called Atmana if you wrapped it but it wasn't closely wrapped if you because a saucepan is not wrapping a saucepan is the vessel which you're holding in. That's not called wrapping. Wrapping is, besides the vessel which is holding it, you're wrapping it. You're not wrapping because you want the, the thing to be held inside the keili in a vessel. You're wrapping it because you want it wrapped. A, a, a pot is not a wrapping. A, po- a pot is a pot. That's not called wrapping. And you've got a piece and you're putting that silver foil 
on the on the hot plate in order that that should be it's pot. That's fine because you're not wrapping it. That is just holding it, right? You don't want the kugel to sit on the hot plate, so you want it in a in a pot on the hot plate. So you can use the pot as a pot. That's fine. We are talking about here, for instance, where you want to wrap it to keep it warm, and you're going to place it on top of the pot. So you're not, for instance, you double wrapped it, right? You double wrapped it. You wrapped it once so it shouldn't burn or dirty your pot, but then you wrap it again so it should get really hot. You've got a double layer of silver foil, and the heat will heat up the silver foil and, and, and come through to the, to the food, and really it will stay piping hot. So your second layer is hatmona. Then again, and you wrap it on Shabbos, it would also be awesome. And you wrap in a double layer to keep it hot, that would be a problem. Hatmona would not have much Because silver foil is a conductor of heat. If you wrap it, it's so. Means your food is hot, the thing around it will retain the heat and then reconduct it back into the food. It's a conductor of heat. So anything which conducts heat, if you're wrapping it in order to preserve the heat, it's offered to do that. Now, you will find in most cases, the reason why you're wrapping is not to keep the heat. You're wrapping for... I take no responsibility. I take no responsibility for what you used to do. All I can say is that if you're wrapping something to keep the heat, that's called wrapping. If you're wrapping it to hold it, that's not called wrapping. So we discussed the length and there was quite, quite, a, quite a lot of um, discussion about that. Placing in your tolerance the, the kishka wrapped up in silver foil. Right? So now you've wrapped it inside the tolerance. Why have you wrapped it? If you've wrapped it in order to, it should stay really hot, then that would be hatmana. If you've wrapped it because you don't want it to mix with the rest of the tolerance, because it will either disintegrate or whatever, then that's not called Atmana. So every time you're wrapping, you have to really be thinking carefully, why am I wrapping? Am I wrapping to retain heat? Am I wrapping uh, because I want to hold it? Am I wrapping to retain heat? Am I wrapping to differentiate between one food and the other food? Am I wrapping because I don't want the flies to get to it? All the reasons why you wrap will make the difference. Wrapping, when it's not properly wrapped, it's just, you're just laying the covering on top and it's not completely surrounded in all sides properly, that's not called Hatmana either. And, and so too, if you wrapped on Friday with a Davish Enemies of Heaven and it became undone, you would be allowed to rewrap it again, because that's not called Hatmana. Hatmana is to wrap for the first time on Shabbos with Davish Enemies of Heaven would be also. To rewrap something you should have wrapped already on Friday, the Hatter, that means the Davish Enemies of Heaven, that would be Musa. And finally, to place in a thermos, hot water in a thermos, even though a thermos, a thermos is really built with one vessel inside and another one outside to wrap it, with a silver foil lining outside to wrap it to insulate it, that really should be like you've put food inside a pot and then wrapped it around on the outside, but that's mutter because a the thermos is considered a kedushani. If you're pouring in from the kettle into your thermos, that's a kedushani. There's no issue to wrap a kedushani. The issue is only to wrap a kedushani. You can even place it on shabbos here. That's fine. Which water inside the thermal? From last week? Yeah. If there's only a tiny bit, that's nothing. That's a few drops you don't have to worry about. But if there's a, a lot of water inside there, then you, uh, you need to go and somehow get a bottle brush. Well, if you pour hot water in it and empty it, it will evaporate and it will dry. Well, if, you if you've got too much water in there that, you, that you're, you're going to cook, and you want to cook it, then no, you shouldn't do that on Shabbos. If you do it much of Shabbos, it will evaporate by next Friday night, it will be completely dry. Okay. Sorry? Well, if it's dry, you can fill it. If it's a bit of water, if it's, well, if it's got a tiny few drops at the bottom, that's fine. That's nothing to worry about. If it's full, if it's got more than a few drops, empty it. That's right. If it's got more than a few drops, empty it and shake it out, and then you'll be okay. But try not to bang it because it will break. Yeah. Hot water bottle is no problem at all. It's not a small hot water bottle. Yeah, if there's a few tiny drops there, you, 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 you can shake it out and the rest is fine. Okay, uh, I'm not sure if we're clearer or more muddled now than we were in, in the previous year. I'm not sure where I am anymore. But uh, <laughs> well, let's move on now and begin the Malacha Deraita of Bissell, which is really. We've gone a bit backwards here, but the sheer Chazorah and Atmona 
and the halacha of, of placing cold food next to hot, uh, hot sauce or heat sauce is a little bit more applicable than the actual derisa or bishul in, in everyday kitchens. Though the derisa does come up in certain cases, so we'll discuss the derisa now and we'll try and spend not too long on it. The halacha of cooking, which the Torah forbade on Shabbos, is not subject, is not only cooking food. Of course, cooking food, baking food, frying food is the Malacha derived of Bishel. But the truth is, in the, in the, in the Mishkan, what they cooked was summer morning, was dyes. It wasn't food at all. So cooking dyes would, would constitute Bishel. Heating up metal to harden the metal would be considered Bishel. Melting wax on Shabbos. Is, why should somebody want to melt wax? I've got no idea. But melting wax on Shabbos would also be called Bishel. Yes, melting fat, tar, anything like that, which you're changing it from a hard substance to, to a, through cooking to a soft substance, is all considered bishul min hatayr. To place an earthenware pot, which has not been in a furnace yet, it's not been hardened in a, in a furnace, you place it in a furnace in Shabbos, you have been over the malacha of bishul. So anybody who likes to do pottery, please don't place them in the oven on Shabbos. All that is constitute Bishel. Bishel is not subject just to food. Any cooking, any heat source which will improve the article that you are put to the, to the heat source is considered Bishel in Hatayah. What's really applicable to us, of course, is only Bishel to food, and that's Bishel of cooking. Cooking means placing food in water in a liquid and heating it up. That's what we call Bishel. Bishel always means placing food in a liquid. Frying is when you place it in a, in a small amount of liquid, in an oil liquid. Baking is when you place it in an oven without any liquid. It's baked in an oven. That's really called baking. Bread is baking because you've got a dry dough, you place it in the oven, and you are baking. If you took a meatloaf with a lot of, lot of juice in it, and you put it in the oven to cook, you've really cooked. You haven't really baked. So it's not the heat source which is the differentiates between cooking and baking. It's what you've actually done. Cooking means to cook in a liquid. Frying is to fry in oil, and baking is to bake dry in an oven. All those are malachas derisas of bishul. Cooking, baking, and frying, all malachas derisas of bishul. Somebody who cooks in Shabbos, we'll run through just the seriousness of the malachas. Somebody who cooks in Shabbos is amazed. Lahalaka is not allowed to eat that food forever. The person who cooks the amazed can never ever eat that food. Not just she can't eat that food, or he can't eat that food. The pot that was cooked, that had the food cooked in it on Shabbos, needs to be kashered. The bleas, the particles of food that enter into the pot, because you cooked it for mazes on Shabbos, needs to be kashered. If you cooked another food in that pot on Sunday, that food that you cooked will become osa because you have now cooked a food in a pot that for you is osa to benefit from, osa to eat. However, if somebody did cook the mazes on Shabbos, other people can, can eat that food on Matzah Shabbos. Not on Shabbos, you can eat the food on Matzah Shabbos. You don't have to wait. At all on Matthew Shabbos, immediately on Matthew Shabbos, you can eat that food. But on Shabbos itself, no one is allowed to eat the food. Somebody has cooked the shagig, and this does happen, unfortunately. Somebody has cooked the shagig on Shabbos. Then, ideally, in the ideal situation is that it should be also for the person who cooked and for everybody else to eat on Shabbos. On Matthew Shabbos, you are allowed to eat that food. In dire circumstances, there are those who are makal for, for other people to eat it and even for the person who cooked it to eat it if it was done with shagig. But the Mishnah Bura says, the Chatzkele, we should pass him, that if it was cooked with shagig on Shabbos, you shouldn't eat that food. The whole Shabbos, not you, and not anybody else. And it's quite, quite uh, not common, but it can happen if um, the hot plate was off, you came down an hour into Shabbos and you saw the hot plate was off and somebody panicked and without realizing picked it up and put it on the bleh, etc. So you, you could go through situations of bishul without even realizing if the food wasn't properly cooked then in that situation, it could be that you would not be allowed to benefit from that food. You or the family, whoever, whoever may want to benefit from that food on Shabbos, you can only benefit from that food on Moxie Shabbos. Sorry? The maids and some just can't eat it at all, only to Moxie Shabbos. Only Moxie Shabbos, yes. Yeah. The maids is stricter that the person who did it can never eat it. The other people can only eat the Moxie Shabbos. The Shabbos, no... The person who did it and the other people can only eat it on the Shabbos, ideally. We've also learned previously in Hilchas Amir Lakum that if a, a non-Jew cooks for a chayla on Shabbos, 
a non-Jew cooks for a chayla on Shabbos, then uh, a healthy person is not allowed to benefit from that food. Even though normally we say that a, a, a melacha done by a non-Jew for a Jew, the heta on Shabbos, anybody else can benefit from it as well. But when it comes to cooking, we don't allow that because we're worried that you will ask the non-Jew to cook directly for you yourself. So again, we see that cooking is a bit stricter than the, than the average melacha. Cooking is not just cooking with direct fire, what we call secondary fire. The second generation heat. The Gemara calls it Toldos O. The second generation heat would be, for instance, if you had a pot on the fire and you took it up. Now that pot is boiling hot. You could crack an egg on it, place it on the, on the pot, it would probably fry. That's not cooking directly on fire. You're cooking with secondary heat. Second generation heat is still called cooking. Uh, the Gemara, the Shukhanah talks about heating up a beggar. Extremely hot, somehow or other. Without getting it burnt, I'm not sure how you do it. But you heat it up very hot through fire, and when you took it off, you place on it an egg to fry, that would be cooking on Shabbos. You're cooking with secondary heat. Secondary heat is called cooking. Cooking in the sun, in sunlight, is mutter. You can take your water, place that in the sun in midday, and the sun's very hot, and it will heat up. That's absolutely fine. Cooking with sun is not considered cooking. However, cooking with second, genera- second generation heat from the sun, so for instance, if you have your pot outside in the sun and it really got really hot or you had a glass pirate dish and you left the glass dish in the sunlight and it really got really hot and then you placed an egg on it in the Shabbos and you cooked that's Bishul Midrabonon because that's very similar to second generation heat from a fire so Chazal will worry that if we allow you to cook in second generation heat from sun heat you might come to cook from Toldos or as well second generation heat from a flame so Chazal said all second generation heat is after but there's a difference in the first generation heat. Sun is mutter. Fire is completely awful. So if you're desperate for a fried egg and Shabbos, you can fry it in the sun. We then know that there's different stages of kalim, different stages of heat. We've discussed them briefly, we'll just go through them again. We have what's called a keli rishon of gabho age. Now whenever we talk about keli rishon, we're talking about the actual pot with the food in it on the fire that's called a keli rishon so the very pot that you're challenged in on the fire the pot called a keli rishon that's its first pot it's on the fire so it's keli rishon the extreme heat the highest level of heat is a keli rishon it's directly on the fire it's the first keli so it's not been transferred from a hot pot into a cold pot it's the first pot that's been heated up it's still on the fire so the source of heat is still heating through the pot and the food, you are now have the highest, most intense level of heat. That's called Kalirishan of Gabbaraish. You remove that pot from the fire, you have what's called Kalirishan, but it's not on the fire. So you've, you've diminished the source of heat, but a Kalirishan retains its heat tremendously. It takes enormous, a long time for that heat to go down, to cool down. So Kalirishan on the fire, of course, can cook. A Kalirishan not on the fire also has the power to cook. Right? So, a kelirishim on the fire is traditional cooking. A kelirishim off the fire is so hot that it has the intense heat that it can still cook. You then move down the next stage to what we call a kelisheni. A kelisheni is when you've transferred the food from the pot that was originally on the fire into a new pot. New pot, new cup, new plate, whatever it may be. The second plate is called a keli sheni. It's now second level of keli. Now a keli sheni, in real terms, doesn't really have the power to cook. But in some instances, even a keli sheni can cook. And these will make a difference to what you are allowed to put, to put into your food, even in a keli sheni on Shabbos and what you can't. So a keli rishon ala ish is what we would call normal cooking. Keli rishon ala ish. Say for instance, you had your you switched the oven off, or your oven got switched off on Shabbos and you then place a raw piece of meat into your urn to cook, that would be called Bishul Garaita. You've cooked in a Kali Rishon. It's not the same cooking as on the fire, but you've still cooked, because a Kali Rishon is hot enough to cook. If you took that water and you transferred it to a second pot, and then put your, your meat in it, I'm not saying you can do that on Shabbos, I'm not saying you use mutter, but you will not have transgressed and it's a Bishul Minafaya. Because second, Kali Shani, a second degree, second, a second level of Kaylee has already cooled the food, down, the food down, the water down to the extent they haven't got the power to cook in the same way as a Kaylee Rishon. 
This one does not have to mean placing food directly on the fire. There's an issue to place a pot on a stove on Shabbos, knowing that that stove is going to be lit sometime on Shabbos by a non-Jew or by somebody else. Just to place the pot on the stove, and somebody else will come and light the fire, placing the pot on the stove also constitutes an Isabishal. Might not be an Isabishal in a fire, called to all the Shining, called to most Shining, but it's definitely, at least with Rabbon, an Isabishal. You cannot place a pot on the stove and then expect later your, your non-Jew to come and light it. That will be called Bishal, at least Bishal with Rabbon, and maybe Minatayah. And not to be judged on the Shabbat clock as well. The, the time of Chazal, the difficulty was, in the time of they had a, a difficulty in, in keeping the challenge hot. So you find in the, in the Paschim, in the Shukhanarach, in the Paschim, many different chubas on how they used to do it. Some people used to, in some villages, they used to all keep their challenge in the baker's, in the baker, baker's oven. And then you had the problem, how could you get your challenge home on Shabbos? How can you carry the challenge through the streets? And there's lots of chubas in the, in the Sforum, in the Paschim, in the Chubas Forum, how they could allow children other methods of bringing the pot through the street on Shabbos. The other method was to leave your pot in your, what we'd call now the heating system, in your, in your uh, furnace that would heat the house right, on, the, on, the, on the fire, but the fire would go out and would, wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't stay hot right away through the night. So what you would do is you would place the, hot on the, the pot on the stove and the non-Jew would come in in the morning and the house is cold, she would light the fire to heat up the house, but at the same time would heat up the solemn. So there again we have the question, is that Muslim, is that Asa? Because here you've placed the pot on the stove, and the non-Jew is lighting the fire to you. And that's a big discussion in the Paschal, Mr. Buru discussed it, because the non-Jew is not lighting it actually to heat the pot, she's lighting it just to heat the house. Is that Muslim, is that Asa? That's a discussion we'll come to later. But you see, just to place the pot on the stove, even if the laundry is going to light the stove later, it's not lit at the moment, also constitutes an ether of Bishel. There's different levels of food being cooked. For instance, you can have a food which is fully cooked, and then we've discussed that fully cooked food cannot be recooked. Fully cooked is cooked. Once it's cooked, it's cooked. But you can have a food which is only partially cooked. A food which is cooked, Kamaikal Benjusoy. You then take that food, then you half cooked, and you place it on the fire. According to most Paschim, according to the Halakha, and according to many Rishonim, you have transgressed an Isabishal Minatayah. You have not done a complete cooking, only a partial cooking, because it was already half cooked. But the fact that you cooked it, the second half of it, on Shabbos, is already transgressed, you've transgressed the Isra of Bishal Minatayah. The Dharmalach we discussed, if it's cooled down completely, and you put it back, even if it's cooked once before, and you place it on the fire again, you have transgressed an Isra Bishal Minatayah. So we see Bishal encompasses many different cases, many different scenarios, many different vessels, many different types of food, and all the different cases will try and apply practically to scenarios in a, in a modern day kitchen restroom as we work through the halachas. When we say that there's Bishal, Acha Bishal, you can recook cooked, cooked liquid. The Machaber holds, as soon as the liquids cool down be, below Yatzeledet, that would already constitute, and you put it back on the fire again, that would already constitute an Issa of Bishal. The Ramah argues, and the Ramah says, as long as it hasn't cooled down completely, you can return it to the fire if you have all the conditions of Chazor. It wouldn't be called Bishal. So when we say Yesh Bishal, Acha Bishal, Bedavalach, the liquid you can recook. We are talking about a liquid that's completely cooled down. Completely cooled down, the Paschal say, means that it's not, hasn't got any heat in it that you, would make you comfortable to eat it. So it's cooled down to the extent that you wouldn't want to eat it at this level. You only want to eat it when it's, drink it when it's a bit warmer. At that, that point of warmth that it's moved from comfortable to drink to uncomfortable to drink or eat, that then, to return that to the fire would be an Isidrite of Bishal Achabishal on a Dovalach. If, however, it has got some element of heat to it, enough that it's warm, that it's not off-putting to drink, then if you put it back on the flame of Shabbos, that would, would not be called Bishal Achabishal. And again, when we just say that something which is Kermachal Ben Drusoy, half-cooked, and to place that on a fire on Shabbos, also constitutes an Issa Bishal, we only mean it's a Chumr, it's a Machlekes, and we are Machmir because it's a Machlekes, and it's a Sophic Dereisa, we are Machmir. But here there would be a difference. If a non-Jew puts 
a food which is cooked Kamacha ben Jusoy back on the fire on Shabbos we would be allowed to eat it on Shabbos we wouldn't say the non-Jews cooked for you because since it's only an Isidra Bonon to eat food that a non-Jews cooked for you and according to some Rishonim once it's cooked half any furthering of the cooking is not called cooking then I tell you so when it comes to a non-Jew cooking for you are you allowed to eat it? you'll be allowed to eat it so if you have a food which is half cooked you shouldn't place it on the fire on Shabbos because many Rishonim say it's called Bishel so you're entering into a problem of Bishel Deraisa However, if a non-Jew did it to you, did it, re-cooked it for you, but, and a non-Jew, the issue to benefit from that food is any Jabonon, since many you shown him hold it, it's not cooked Bishel once it's half cooked, and you continue to cook it, you'll be allowed to benefit from Shabbos. So there is a little colour there, a little leniency with a food which is cooked to Michael ben No, 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 no. finish off and give a little bit of, a, of an idea of the difference in the Kali Rishon and the Kali Shani. We mentioned that in the Kali Rishon, if you would take it off the flame and place raw food into it, that would, that would, it would be considered the food is cooked. However, if you've cooked food, completely cooked it on Shabbos, you'll be allowed to place that cooked food into a Kali Rishon, even though it's hot. I mean, you have a, a fully cooked hot piece of meat, and it's a bit dry, you want to you know, get some, some moisture into it, so you place it in a calorition of hot water, which is off the fire, that will be better, because it's completely cooked, you're now soaking it in a calorition, that's fine, ain't bishel like a bishel, that will be, be, be fine. Off the fire, on the fire will be from Khazar. On the fire, we're going to be a problem Chazar. However, if you went, you took a piece of meat and you cooked it by soaking it in a Kalirishan, and you took it out, there you wouldn't be allowed to place it back into the Kalirishan. Because the Kalirishan cooks, it doesn't cook to the same degree that the fire will cook, so we're worried that there might be part of it which is not fully cooked, and when you place it back in the Kalirishan, that Kalirishan will be cooking it even more, and you could enter into a problem of cooking Minatoya. So if you ever cooked, I don't know if anybody does, by placing food in a you took it out, you wanted to put it back in the Kedi Rishon on Shabbos, that would be Asa, because that would be called cooking on Shabbos. To place it into a Kedi Shani, that would be Mutter. To place fully cooked food into a Kedi Shani, even food that's been cooked in a Kedi Rishon, with respect to the Kedi Shani, the Kedi Shani has no power to cook, you can place the food that's been cooked in the Kedi Rishon off the fire. Hot food, hot water, sorry? You can place cold food as well if it's cooked. Cold food that's been cooked on the fire, you can put it in, 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 into, as long as it's dry, you can place it into a calorician with hot water in. No problem at all. Food which has been cooked only in a calorician off the fire, soaked in hot water in a calorician, but if the calorician is off the fire now, you cannot re-soak it in a calorician on Shabbos, but you can put it in a calorician. So the calorician is not the same level of heat as a calorician, and therefore won't re-cook it. So you see that the different levels, and you might think these are all strange scenarios where they do really apply heating up babies' bottles, etc. There are situations where you are going to put food into a calorician and you are going to put food into a calorician and they really do have practical applications. So the practical, practical side of it we will, we will discuss as we move on into Bishel. I just want to give you a very brief background and to the complications of the halachas but the practical side of it we'll try and move on into the coming weeks. So that's really the, the basic halachas of Bishel. The calorician ala ish, calorician not on the fire, calorician the different levels of cooking, fully cooked Macha Ben continue cooking from Macha Ben can also be in this abyssal minatoya, and cooking through a Kalirishim which is not on a fire, and recooking it in the Kalirishim, or recooking it in the Kalishani, they are the basic background to the problems of Bishal, and we now have to move on and see how we can apply them practically in a kitchen. Just to finish off with a short Devatoya. This week said with Pashas Baha. Pashas Baha starts off, discusses the mitzvah of Shemitah. Shemitah year this year would be a crime to pass through the Pasha without at least mentioning something again on the mitzvah of Shemitah. And the Apostle tells us the Shabbos Ha'orah, Shabbos Lashem. In the Shemitah year the land should rest, Shabbos arresting Lashem. And Rashi says that Shabbos Lashem means Shabbos gracious, what we call every Shabbos. The shops are Shabbos Lashem. The land should rest similarly as time rests 
when it comes to Shabbos. Question is, what's the comparison of the resting of the land to the resting of Shabbos? True, it's the same word, Shabbat means to rest, but there must be some connection between the Shabbos rest and the rest of the Shriyat of Shemitah of the land in Eretz Yisrael. In Tashis Noyach, after Noyach came out of the Teva, so the HaKadosh Baruch made a promise to Noyach, and in the middle he said as follows, he said, Kol Yimei Haaretz, all the time that the land exists, Zerah V'Kotzeh, V'Koyr V'Choyim, V'Kayetz V'Choyif, Yom V'Lai Lo Yishpoisu. The six seasons, Zerah V'Kotzeh is the spring and the autumn, Koyr V'Choyim is the extreme cold and extreme hot, and the V'Kayetz V'Choyif is summer and winter. The, the six seasons of the year, Yom V'Lai Lo Yishpoisu, they will not rest. The six seasons will continuously be there, they will not rest. Again, we use the word, will not rest. And Chazal tell us, from the words Lo Yishpoisu, Chazal Dashan, that the Gai Sheshava Chayav Misa. A non-Jew who keeps Shabbos is Chayav Misa. Now when we say a non-Jew who keeps Shabbos, there's a miscomprehension, a, mis- a misunderstanding here. It doesn't mean a guy who keeps our Shabbos. A guy who keeps any day of the week. Shabbos is Chayav Misa. And we learn it from the words Lo Yishpoisu. Now the Apostles of Zerah, the Katsir, the Kare V'chayim, the Kais V'chayim, Yom Vlad Lo Yishpoisu is not talking about man at all. It's talking about the seasons. But we learn from the word Lo Yishpoisu, which is at the end of that process, which in its simple understanding is referring to the six seasons. We learn from there that a non-Jew that rests any day of the week is Chayav Misa. question is, what connection is there between the non-Jew resting and the seasons? The idea of rest, if one thinks and looks around the world, the idea of rest doesn't really exist in the Olam HaTeva. In the physical world, the world of Teva, nothing is static. Everything's moving. There's things which are born, things moving, things dying. Nothing stays in the same place, in the same situation, for one second. Everything's moving constantly. The six seasons are controlled by the Tehobim, by the stars, by the zodiacs. The seasons are controlled by the Galgalim, by the the stars and the zodiac, they are moving constantly. The sun, the moon, they are moving constantly. They are never static, they are not still for a minute. Anything that's ever must move. The created world is constantly on the move. Nothing is static for a second. The very, the very world itself is constantly moving, spinning on its axles. There's no shvisa, there's no stopping, there's no rest in the, teva, in the world of Teva at all. The word Shabbat can only apply to something spiritual. In spirituality there can be rest. When there's completion, an element of completion, then it's possible to have an element of rest. Uh, uh, Rashi tells us, by Sadiqim wants to rest in this world. There's no rest in the physical world. The world of, the, of created Teva is no rest. Everything's moving. Shvisa, Shabbat, can only apply where there's a spirituality, where there's a panemius, where there's an internal spirituality, and that spirituality has the ability to rest. We find in the Midbar, the food that the Kali ate was the mom. Right now, we, we don't work on Shabbos. Shabbos, we don't work. But the Tvor, the produce in the ground, is continuing to grow on Shabbos. It will continue to grow. The mom, which was the food of Kali in the Midbar, that stopped on Shabbos. That couldn't fall on Shabbos. Because the mom wasn't a physical food. The mom was a spiritual food. In, spiritual, in spirituality, in Rechmius, it's possible to have Shvisa. Mom rested on Shabbos. The physical world can't rest on Shabbos. Shabbos itself is considered a day of rest. Shabbos in the physical world, there's no rest at all. The physical part of the world, everything around us continues. The world, the work, everything continues to move. Projects continues to grow. Even our bodies continue to move and to grow or the opposite has shalom on Shabbos. The rest of Shabbos is not in the physical world. The rest of Shabbos is only in the spiritual world. The Chazal tell us that Man, Pasuk says that man was created first and last. And the Medrash says that man was created first. If he merits, then we will say to him, yes, you, were, you merit because you were created first. If then we will say to him, even a yitush, even a tiny little mosquito was created before you. Because man is made up of two parts. He's made up of the neshama. The neshama came first. The neshama came before the world was created. The physical death, the, man, the physical side of man was only created on day six, long after everybody else. So if the dominant part of man is the neshama, then he is kedem. He is created before everything else. 
if the dominant part of man is the physical side of him, then we turn around and say, even the Yitush was created before you. Even a little mosquito was brought into this world before you were brought into this world. Shabbos is a day of rest, but it's only a day of rest if the Neshama is more dominant. Then a person will feel the rest of Shabbos. When a person has turned the gift into spirituality, then he can feel, he can feel the rest of Shabbos, because where there's Ruchnis, there's Shrisa. If a person is down by the physical gift to the extent that he can't even feel the spirituality, the spiritual side of him, then when it comes to Shabbos, he won't realize that Shabbos is a day of rest. He won't feel the day of rest. He'll know it's a day of rest, and his Neshama will be having the extra kedusha of Shabbos, but he won't realize it because the physical side is overpowering. When the passage says "kaiyus v'chayyus, zera v'kotev, kaiyus v'chayyus, kaiyus v'chayyus, etc." Lo yishpoitu. What the passage is telling us is that the six seasons are the seasons of teva. They don't rest. They can't rest. Why? Because they are teva. Where there's teva, there's no rest. They can only they can only rest where there's ruchnis, where there's a pnimius, where there's a spirituality. A guy who tries to rest will be chav misa because a guy has no tenimius. There's nothing a shomer like a Jew. There's nothing a ruchni stick in a shomer like a yid has. So a guy is really very much entrenched in olam ateva. In olam ateva, there's no rest. So when we say loyish boisu, referring to the six seasons, but from there we can learn that a non-Jew, a non-Jew who doesn't have this tenimius, can't rest because where there's only physicality, there's no shvisa. So doish shomer will be chav misa because he's turning what is really physical and pretending that's spiritual. There's no spirituality. There's no rest in the physical world. Shmeka is only an Eretz Yisrael. Shvinit is only an Eretz Yisrael because Eretz Yisrael is not just a physical land. True, it's a physical land as well. But it's not just a physical land. Eretz Yisrael is the witness of the world. Eretz Yisrael is the spiritual part, the premiums of the world. In Eretz Yisrael there's a spirituality. There it's possible to have Shmeka. The Shabbat is Shabbat Lashem. Just as Shabbat is a time of rest because in Shabbat Shabbos is the panemius of the week. Shabbos is the roughness of the week. Shabbos is the day that the spiritual side of man can rest. Where there's roughness, there's shvisa. So too, the Shabbos Shabbos Lashem, only the land of Eretz can rest, like Shabbos can rest. Because only in the land of Eretz is there spirituality, is there panemius. And there, the land can rest. True, the physical land carries on. Fruit grows on the tree in Eretz and Shviz. Speaking, produce will grow. If it's even non-planted, the leftover produce will grow on Shviz. But there's a, a spiritual rest, the panemius of Eretz Yisrael is resting, the roughness of Eretz Yisrael is resting. And that's the comparison to Shabbos or Shabbos Vashem. That's the Shvisa of Shabbos, the resting of Shabbos, the resting of Shmita. And Be'ez Vashem, we will be zeicher to the B'es we will understand and fully appreciate the true level of Shvisa, the Shabbos that every Sadiq wants, which will be zeicher to the Mehebi Yemenu. Amen.